Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. As you are making your way back to your seats and getting situated, we're going to continue walking through Uh, the book of Daniel, and this morning, before we jump into the Bible and open the Word and read through it together, um, I wanted to share a couple of verses with you because we're going to be talking about some things that kind of make people not uncomfortable, but they get a little weird about it. Um, So I want to put some verses up on screen before we get started that we're going to walk through. Uh, But if you want to, go ahead and open up to the book of Daniel chapter 2, which is where we're going to be this morning. But first, I want to reiterate a couple of points. First and foremost, God still speaks to his people. And I know there's a whole contingent of of people, Christian people, who think that, well, God doesn't speak to us anymore. Uh, Everything that God has said to us, they say, is in his word, which is true. And I think there's a little bit of confusion because God isn't giving us any new revelation that isn't already in his word, right? Right? But God still does speak to his people. It's kind of like a parent who lays down all the rules to their children, and then their children get older, and you're like, well, you're older. You've heard all I have to say. I'm done, so you don't talk to them anymore. That's not the way that works. You still speak to your people. He still reveals his word right, uh, to people. And if you look, in the book of Hebrews, this is what it says. The author of Hebrews is writing to um, Christians. And, and some who are kind of still ingrained in the Jewish concept of God and not in the, the Christness of God. And he opens and he says this, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. So he he starts by saying, I just want to make it crystal clear. In the past, God spoke to us through the prophets, and he says in various ways, because God spoke to them through dreams and through visions. It's a supernatural God, so it makes sense that he's going to speak to people in supernatural ways. If he were just speaking through normal ways, there would be no way for me to verify 100% that this is God. But because it's supernatural ways... I can say, oh yeah, it's not just the natural, it's supernatural, that must be God. But he also speaks to us in these last days, which we've been in since the book of Acts, through his son. He still speaks to people, he still speaks through dreams, he still speaks through visions, he's not done with us just because he's finished his word, now we have to go out and share his word, and sometimes... He still has to tell us and give us an extra boost through his Holy Spirit saying, hey, go do this, because sometimes we don't want to listen, because that's just who we are, right? So God still speaks to his people, but here's the thing. God is still sovereign over all people, including governments. I know there's a lot of people complaining about whether or not the queen is a Christian. Doesn't affect you at all. Worry about whether or not you're living your Christian life the way God wants you to, rather than whether or not the, she is in her eternal destination one way or the other. Nothing we can do to change that. We can, 
make sure that our eternal destination is with Christ. But God is still sovereign over all people, including governments. Not every government listens to and obeys God. We can, I mean, we can agree with that, right? It's not just, not every government. But God is still sovereign over those governments. So uh, before we dig into Daniel, let me explain this a little bit further. And some of you are familiar with this passage of Scripture, nothing new to a lot of people. In Romans chapter 13, this is what Paul writes. He says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Here's the miscommunication that people get. Everyone, Greek, Swahili, English, Spanish, whatever, means everyone. The everyone he's writing to are Christians. He's not trying to tell non-Christians what to do. Anyone who proclaims the name of Christ, he says, let all of you be subject to the governing authorities. Here's the other miscommunication. Governing authorities, uh, that word authorities is a word that means those who have the, the privilege and the power to determine and to adjudicate what's right and wrong. In order for them to do that, there has to be an absolute moral authority that says what's right and wrong. God is that absolute moral authority, and as we read, he created these governing authorities. There is no authority except that which God has established. No one else can say what's right and wrong, and if they do, it has to be measured against God's moral authority of what's right and wrong. So God created these governing authorities, right, and the authorities that exist, they've been established by God in order so that they may go out and say, yeah, what you're doing is right, nope, what you're doing is wrong on God's behalf, according to God's moral standard. Now, here's what it says in verse 3. Rulers, rulers is not the word authorities. Rulers are those people, those kings, those kingdoms, those elected officials, right? They hold no terror for those who do right. We shouldn't be afraid of them. But for those who do wrong, you want to be free from fear of the one in authority. Now, here's a ruler, whether they're elected whether like kings, queens, they're born, they've set this and say, if you're the next born person, you're the king, no matter what they are, those rulers now step into a position where they have to govern according to God's moral authority. Because that's what God wants. Because the very next verse says, the one in authority, those rulers, they're God's servant for your good. Right? They're not there to oppress us or to rule over us, they're there to serve God, look at God's moral authority and say, here's what's right, here's what's wrong. Hey, you're doing wrong, then yeah, you do have some concerns, right? You're doing right, don't worry about it. You're doing the right thing. Here's the problem that we have that we're going to get into. Not every government acknowledges God's moral authority and does what God says they're supposed to do. Here's what we're going to see today. God is still sovereign over them and still speaks to them. And we're going to see in the coming weeks as we continue to this, he holds them accountable. It's not our job to hold them accountable. We are fortunate enough in the United States where we have a system where we can. Because if they're not doing the right thing, we can vote them out. Or what a lot of people do is go and say, hey, we're not even going to let you finish your term. We're going to have whatever those special votes are where we're going to get rid of you like halfway through your term because you're doing so bad of a job. Not everywhere has that. But still, those leaders 
those rulers, leaders, government officials, kings, queens, governors, whatever you want to call them, they have a responsibility because they are God's servants. They're supposed to be following his will. And when they don't, God will hold them accountable, which is what we're going to see today. So if you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Daniel chapter 2. And this is what we read in Daniel chapter 2. Now, it's a, we're going to go through the whole chapter, but I'm going to jump around through some verses. Uh, but bear with me. In verse 1, it says this. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams in his mind, uh, had dreams, and his mind was troubled, and he couldn't sleep. Which says troubled. I, that's a word that kind of makes it border on nightmares. Not nightmares that were like, I wake up scared, like the boogeyman's going to get me, or, you know, blah, blah, blah but so troubled, and we know later it's because God was speaking to him. And the dreams were so intense and so visual. So the king summoned, here's who he summoned, the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before the king, he said to him, I had a dream that troubled me, and I want to know what it means. The astrologers answered, the king, in Aramaic. Now, it's important that this says in Aramaic, right? Because if you remember at this time, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were all part of the wise men. But the ones he called in, uh, I think the word for, uh, like, these were occult leaders, witchcraft leaders. Where it says astrologer, that's a word that meant, like, necromancers. These are people who consulted demons and dead folk, did exorcisms, that kind of thing, right? So these are the people who called in. He called in the people who he had normally worked with, the religious folk, the leaders, and all those people, and said, hey, I had a dream. It was so intense. I need you to tell me what this dream meant. Now, their natural response would be the response that you and I had, which is, okay, their response is, tell us the dream, and then, you know, we have the tarot cards, and we have this and that. We'll be able to tell you what the dream meant. Now, this is how intense it was normally. That's what Nebuchadnezzar would have done. That's what any king would have done. But Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm not going that route. This dream was not natural. He senses this was supernatural. Since it is supernatural, he again, he says, since it's supernatural, I believe, in his head he believes, the gods, because he worshiped multiple gods, are speaking to me. In order for me to know it's the gods, because it is supernatural, I need a supernatural understanding. So I'm not going to tell you the dream. I'm just going to tell you I had a dream. You need to tell me what I dreamt, and then tell me what it means. And this, this is the response uh, that they give. Um, In verse 8, the king answered, I am certain you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is just one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping this situation will change. So then tell me the dream, and I will know that you can interpret for me. Again, it's a supernatural dream. If you tell me what I dreamt, then I'll believe you when you say here is what the dream means. Right? Verse 10, and this is key, because he had threatened, I'm going to have all of you killed. You, your family, your dog, your pet fish, the cat that you like sitting on and cuddling with at night, all of them killed, and your house turned to rubble if you don't do this. And not only you, every wise man in the kingdom he was going to have put to death. 
Verse 10, the astrologers, these are the necromancers. These are the people that consult the dead. The astrologers answered the king, there is not a man on earth who can do what the king asks, which is true. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among men. And they realize the same thing that, that Nebuchadnezzar realized. This is a supernatural thing. In order for me to know that you guys are telling me the truth, I need a supernatural revelation. And what all of these fake folks just admitted is, our gods can't do that because our gods aren't real. You want a supernatural revelation? Our gods can't do that. It's, it's impossible. But here's the thing. This is later, right? Now, Daniel and his team, his friends, right? They spent three years going through all that, uh, uh, being uh, ready to prepare and do all kind of stuff. And do you remember how God equipped them previously after they spent their time uh, praying to God? This is what it says back in 17. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kind of literature and learning, specifically what Nebuchadnezzar had been looking for, for people to work in his government, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. It's no coincidence that years prior, God says, hey, I'm going to equip you guys to work in this government, but Daniel, hey, Daniel, I'm going to give you this bonus spiritual gift to where you can interpret dreams and visions. And Daniel's probably like, never going to use this, tuck it away, put it, you know, um, back somewhere on the couch and, 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 and thank you, Jesus. And he's like, okay, great, God. And then you get to this point where not only Daniel's life, but the life of hundreds of, of men and women and children and their families depends on this unique gift that, Dan, that God gave to Daniel so that Daniel could work in a government that all of us would look and say, why are you working with them? Because they're definitely not godly people, right? So drop down to uh, verse 17. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, because Daniel got wind that, hey, guess what? They came knocking on Daniel's door too and say, hey, I know you've just started in this job as a wise man, haven't been here long, but I have to kill you all now. And Daniel says, hold on, hold on, let me take this to my God. Just, just give me overnight. If I don't come through, that's fine. Daniel returned to his house, explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. And look at what he says. This is consistent because we just talked about this earlier. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the discerning. 
He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells in him. I thank and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. The thing that we said that David acknowledged, hey, that's God's to give. Right? So this is, this is Daniel and his friends going back in prayer, confronted with the aspect of, hey, our lives are on the line because, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this relevant to us, because of a political policy that has been put in place by people that we don't even agree with, but we just happen to work for, and now we have to deal with. And their response isn't, let's, let's hate the government. The response isn't, that's why I didn't vote for this king. No one votes for a king, but whatever. Their response is, hey, you know what? We need to take this to God. We need to pray. Because this is above our pay grade to be able to handle this. Because here's the reality. This is what they acknowledge. That government, they're responsible to God. So if I take it to God, he can deal with them. And he does, because this is what happens. Actually, uh, I'm going to put the next couple of verses up on screen, and we're going to read through all of this together. Because he goes and he talks to Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, hey, I can't reveal this to you, but I serve a God who can. He ensures that he puts the credit where it belongs. And what Nebuchadnezzar dream, uh, dreamed, Daniel says, here is what my God told me you dreamt about. You dreamt of this statue, and on it was a head of gold, and it had like arms of uh, silver and a, a torso of uh, brass and bronze and feet of clay. And if you Google Nebuchadnezzar statue, you'll find all kind of pictures like this. None of, some of them are, are, that aren't arm folded. They're just hands down or whatever. But they're all the same thing. Uh, the gold and the silver and the brass. And then what Daniel comes to the conclusion of, because of God, is that, hey, the reason God gave this to you, it's really not just for you. It's for all of the people of Israel as well. Because it reveals every world-dominating kingdom that is going to rule over and oppress the people of Israel. There are a lot of other world-dominating kingdoms that came around these times and that came after these. But these are the only ones that ruled over Israel as a nation. Right? So here, here's what he says. He, he's, he was, describes, hey, you had this dream. Here's the statue. You had the gold, the silver, the bronze, the brass, all this. He says, this was the dream. And now I'm going to tell you the interpretation of it. And this is the amplified version. So you can see this isn't just me making it up. You, O king, are king of the earthly kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory. Same thing that David said. It's God's to give, kingdom, might, power, and glory. And he said, you were the head of gold, wherever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens. He has given them into your hands, made you rule over them all. You are the head of gold, right? Then he goes on and he says, after you will arise another kingdom, the Medo-Persian Empire, which historically we know actually came in and they took over the Babylonian Empire. We're actually going to read about that because that's how the book of Daniel comes to an end. He says, inferior to you, and still a third kingdom of bronze, Greece under Alexander the Great, which shall bear rule over all the earth. So he's laying out 
all of these kingdoms, and the reason the Amplified Version puts them in is because historically, later in his dream, he reveals things that can only be these kingdoms, which is why the critics later said, well, this couldn't have been written when it was written. It had to have been written hundreds of years later because it came true with so much accuracy. But then he says this, the fourth kingdom, Rome, shall be strong as iron, because that was the legs of iron, and since iron breaks the pieces and subdues all things, and like iron which crushes, it shall break and crush all of these, and the Roman Empire came in and crushed all of them. And then he says this, and as you saw the feet and toes partly of baked clay of the potter and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, and the Roman kingdom was divided. There was eastern and western Rome. Uh, one was Roman Empire, and then still Roman, but the Roman Byzantine Empire, Right? Uh, but there shall be in it some of the firmness and strength of iron, just as you saw, iron mixed with the miry earth and clay. And then he says this, in the days of these final ten kingdoms, because he saw ten toes made of clay. So now he's talking about this has not happened yet. This is like uh, end time revelation type stuff. He says, in the days of these ten final kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, nor shall its sovereignty be left to another people. And he says that because the Jewish people and God's people are going to inherit this kingdom, right? So it's not, not left to another people. But it's going to break and crush and consume all of these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So this is him. Right, God speaking again, and we're going to see uh, in a couple of weeks, next week actually in a couple of weeks, where God reveals this to Nebuchadnezzar, then holds Nebuchadnezzar accountable for reigning in a godly way. But he also reveals it to him for Daniel, for all of the people in Israel in captivity, and for us, so that we know what God says will come to pass. And if all of these other kingdoms came to pass and felt just as God said, then we should expect this final kingdom to happen just the way God said. And our role, just like God holds governments accountable, he holds us accountable. Because our job is not to judge those kings and kings and rulers or whatever. Our job is to go out and proclaim the word of God to help build God's kingdom. That's where we come into play, right? And then uh, just as you saw that the stone was cut on the mountain without hands, that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. The dream is certain, and the interpretation of it is sure. Now, this is how the king responded. King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, paid homage to Daniel as a great prophet of the highest God. Because Nebuchadnezzar realized, hey, I didn't tell you what I dreamt and you interpreted it, so now I have to wonder, is it true? You told me exactly what I dreamt without me telling you, so I can trust that your interpretation is true. And he ordered that an offering and incense should be offered up to him in honor of his God. The king answered Daniel, of a truth, your God is God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of secret mysteries, seeing that you could reveal this secret mystery. Then the king made, look at this, this is important. The king made Daniel, 
great gave him many gifts and made him to rule over the whole province of Babylon and to be chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. There are people serving in, in, in and we, uh, we've talked about this, people serving in either the Republican Party or the, or, or the uh, Democratic Party or whatever, and people from the other party look and say, how can you work there because they don't do this or they do do this or they don't support that or they vote this way, and we don't know if God didn't put them there because if, if, if no godly people are in those parties, how else will the people in those parties know about God? If there are no people of God who know God, who trust God, no Daniels in the Democratic Party, how do we expect the Democratic people to know about God? If there are no Daniels in the Republican Party, how do we expect the people in the Republican Party to know about God? And we may look at them and say, how can you do that? And they are probably the ones, just like Daniel, going to their leaders and said, hey, you know what? Here's the right thing to do because thus saith the Lord. They may not agree with them. They may not be listening to them. But there are the Daniels that are still going and saying, hey, here's the right thing to do. Instead of removing Daniel from the situation, God promoted Daniel in the situation. So now, in this corrupt, unjust evil government, you have a godly, God-honoring voice saying, well, here's the right thing to do. When we're, when we're proclaiming you know, these laws and putting out these laws, here's God's moral standard. We are servants of God for the good of the people. He may be the only voice doing it, but God had him there for a reason. And then we find out he's not the only voice because Daniel requested the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. When we see all the, all the stuff going on in our governments and, 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 and policies come out, our first reaction is to criticize, to hate, to judge, make Facebook posts and memes. And again, I do it too. Some of the memes are funny. You can't help but laugh at it. But our response, what, what God expects from us, again, and I'm going to reiterate this every single week, is unity amongst his people. That we remember that we are ambassadors of God. And no matter what the government rolls down our way, the proper political response is always to go and seek God first. We haven't been in my lifetime in a position where the federal government has put forth a law that put the lives of Christians at risk. But that's what Nebuchadnezzar did for Daniel and his friends. And the first thing they did was go to seek the Lord. And if they can do that when their lives are at risk, we can do that when we don't like what they're doing with taxes or in the schools, or we don't like that the government is, is, is changing you know, how taxes are going to be or, or, or whatever they're doing. We can definitely take the time to go before God and pray. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and that's what we're going to do right now. We're just going to spend a moment going before God and praying for our leaders. And I specifically want to pray uh, for uh, those at the, the local level, because we don't kind of pay attention to that. But the people within the school districts and people within the local town councils, 
Those are the ones that directly impact your taxes, your wallet, what your children are going to be taught and what you can and cannot do. So God, we lift up our town council to you. We lift up our school board to you. Uh, we're not interested right now in, in what political party they're associated with. What we are interested in is praying and seeking your face in the hopes that they would acknowledge that they are your servants for our good. We pray for our school board that their focus wouldn't be to respond to political pressures, but creating programs that educate our children. We pray for our local town council and, and the struggles that they have and, and the uh, political chaos that happens there, but we pray that they understand that they are your servants for our good. We pray that we as your people would always stand unified, that we would remember that we are your ambassadors, Christ's representatives to all of our communities, uh, to all of the uh, political people and chaoses, and that no matter what decisions are made or what votes happen, that we would always respond with the proper political response that starts with seeking you first. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. amen. Thank you guys. Pray that you have an awesome rest of your Sunday. And do not forget, next Saturday, chili cook-off. Uh, even if you're not a fan of chili, just come to, to Rudon, Melissa, and Brandon as they accept their trophies. God bless. <laughs>